What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, May 8th, 2022, and this week's episode, The Lightweight Champion Has a Name. We'll be talking about the very eventful or uneventful UFC 274 that occurred last night, as well as recapping what was ended up being a very loaded weekend in the world of mixed martial arts with action in Bellator and PFL. Then we'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Dana White slips a couple matchups, but they're not the ones that we ended up getting after all. And of course, we'll end the show by talking about this weekend's upcoming fight, the big light heavyweight bout between Jan Blahovich and Alexander Rokic. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Happy Sunday. We came out the other side from all the fights. Exciting, boring, and somewhere in the middle. How are you It's like the good, the bad, and the ugly kind exactly, of weekend, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, let's just call it macaroni. Yeah, guys, I'm sorry. We're back. I know we missed you last week. You know, life happens, but I promise you we are here to make up for it. Yeah, um, you know, Natalie, let's just get right into it because we're going to be talking quite a lot about everything. So about 24 hours-ish removed, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje. Let me tell you something. Had things been... had the deck been shuffled a little differently and you kept them at the top, I would have told you that was a very, very awesome broadcast. Uh, it, there was a lot of stuff leading up to it, but just that fight itself. I got the investment out of my time and energy, like who's going to win, this and that, X's and O's, the redemption of Gaethje, the dominance of Charles. We'll talk about the weight stuff in a minute, but that was one of the most exciting three-minute fights we've had in a minute. What about you? For uh, for the high stakes involved. Yeah, for the high stakes involved, and you know, with the with the backstory coming into it of the weight, you know, that was the most exciting three minutes because that's what Charles Oliveira wanted, right? And and it, and it was that intensive because he came out ready to kill and Justin Gaethje was just in reaction mode you know we'll get in further to it but but that's pretty much what happened yeah I mean um first off Charles just goes right at him and I think even Gaethje registered like oh you know Mm -hmm. it's gonna be like that to Gaethje's credit I do believe that he composed himself well I could see the gears almost like you sure you want this okay then and he starts doing the damage and to Charles' credit, he got busted up, he was bleeding, he was bruised. He took them a lot better than I thought he would. Yes, he got knocked down. Yes, he got hurt. But if I'm being quite honest, if he he got up and got back to work a lot better than I thought he would. Especially after, I believe he was knocked down at least twice. The second knockdown, um, <clears throat> it's like, this is going to be it. Wobbly legs. He's not going to have his feet under him. Gaethje's going to go to work. And this is probably about to be a wrap here in the first five minutes. Instead, you know, he he goes to the clinch. He works the knees in the middle. Gaethje, he kind of just starts looking for that grenade. I almost feel like that worked against him. I think he almost got too comfortable. Like, I'm going to just stand with you, let you come to me. And I'm going to find my spot to land another grenade. And I think that worked against him. I think that Gaethje almost... In hindsight, get on the bike a little bit, and he's probably the new lightweight champion, all due respect. Instead, he kind of gets a little comfortable. He knows he's eaten some shots. He knows he's hurt Charles already. Just elects to kind of stay right there close and bang with him. And then Charles, I believe it's the right hand, drops Gaethje, stuns him, and it's just that split second Charles needs to get on the mat. And really, it was just like a spider web. Just he kept transitioning and scrambling, goes for the rear naked choke, doesn't get it. Triangle set up, rolls him back over, gets the back and gets the gets the choke. He just snakes those long, just skinny arms under Justin's neck. And that was all he needed. Um, adds to uh, all. I mean, he's literally padding the record for most submission victories in UFC history. Um, put some respect on his name, everything else. Um, I went off a bit. Go ahead. No, no, that was, that was great. That was great to relive it through you because it was an exciting 
three minutes. I mean, I think it took him longer to walk out, right? I don't know. Yeah, it felt like it. The mariachi music. It's this great thing in Arizona where he grew up. And Charles Wolver is just pissed off. He's mad that, you know, this scale issue, you know, we come to find out later, you know, Dana White says some of the foreign fighters, you know, fighters who weigh in kilos, meaning, you know, were messing with the scale that the UFC put out. And, man, that's a tough pill to swallow for 0.5 pounds, okay? But I think he was mad for, for good, with good reason. Like, he did everything he needed to do, and it's not fair, but he kept reminding everybody all all night, all day, lightweight champion has a name, and it's Charles Oliver. So anyway, he comes out. He does his business. He shocks Gaethje at the beginning. You know, to me, Gaethje immediately goes into panic mode. He is trying to get out of that mindset, but I don't think he ever successfully does. He had a plan to do throw leg kicks, and so, like, his brain is still wired to do that. He's trying to throw leg kicks, but he keeps getting punished for it. And then he starts whiffing really hard, right? There was one towards the end there where he he whiffed so hard he, he fell down. Charles Oliveira was just mad and bad. He just went in there, took him down, choked him out, and that's it, dude. It was ice cold. I was stunned with how fast it happened. I was stunned that Justin Gaethje couldn't really do anything in response. Yes, of course, he hurt him. But it, it's like a man punching, a, a you know, an angry bear. Like, it's just, you're two different species in that moment. Charles Oliveira was not going to be stopped. You know, when it's all over, you see Justin Gaethje, you read his lips, he says the F word. His mom's in the background, his dad's in the background, they had their hands over their heads. It was stunning, man. It, it really was. And... Charles Oliver goes to Dana White and he's telling him whatever he's telling him. And Dana White just says, but you didn't make weight. You're the number one contender. And it's like, oh, man, that's just right through the heart. But as arbitrary as it seems, those are the rules. And now we get to see Charles Oliver fight for the belt again. I mean, uh, so probably the easier one. I still enjoy watching Justin Gaethje every time he's out there. I think that he's a guy who's still does damage in that top five he obviously has he, he he continues to perform well against these guys um where where does he go next now now the deck is shuffled right now mm -hmm. his card is placed a lot further down now some stuff has to go his way in order for him to come back he can do it but the fact is you know he kind of got that benefit when habib left he was still in a good spot that is not as much the case. That being said, I do still expect to see him be a force in, at 155. For Charles, um, I mean, that, that weight thing is just so horrible because honestly, we should be talking about, you know, second title defense. We should be talking about a lot of this other stuff. I mean, I, I want to point it out and um, because now it... It takes away from my argument, but it should still be valid. Remember how I told you, okay, like, oh man, it just felt like Char Charles and Habib just missed each other. Uh-huh. Charles, this is now the second Habib opponent that Charles has fought, and he's getting them out of there faster than Habib did. He is. You know, Habib needed to round two, Charles needed round one. Poirier, round four... Charles got him out in round three. Uh -huh. And look, I get it, you know, under 29 and 0 versus the ups and downs of Charles. It's like, hey, look, is it not about who you were when you're at the peak compared to who you were for the whole time? Okay. You know, and I just, we should be talking about that because of the weight stuff now. It's like, well, non-title and this and that. And, you know, it does mar what should have been, you know, a across-the-board uh, celebratory night for Charles. Instead, we have this with the scale. For, I will say it, the UFC was in a no-win situation. And John Morgan tried to get it out of Dana, and I think everyone is like, it's not the Arizona Athletic Commission's belt. 
It's the UFC right. belt. Exactly. They could keep it. Uh, technically speaking, they could take it off and put it on anyone they want at any time. And they have done so in the past, right? A little bit. Uh, you know, you, I mean, I'll be honest. They don't do anything wild. Like, they don't just take it off. Put it this way. They, they wouldn't take it off like Ally Akinta and put it on Conor McGregor just because they wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. They do play by rules. That being said, you got... Remember what happened just recently with the Olympics with the the figure skater and uh -huh. it caused this uh, uproar and everything? The UFC was in a bit of a similar situation because you could have the fight and imagine, let's say, Charles or Justin, hey, you know, we're going to examine the scale and examine the situation, what happened, but but the fight still needs to happen tomorrow where everybody's here, the the show must go on. So, Charles or Justin, you guys are going to fight, but we can't give or withhold a belt until we finish the investigation. Uh -huh. Imagine how that plays out after that fight. So, UFC has that issue. Okay, you know, they can't do it. And then let's say, okay, well, there's some controversy. Charles keeps the belt, but we're still going to investigate it. Oh, he was actually overweight. Justin shouldn't, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's a no win. No win for Charles. And if, in my opinion, no win for the UFC. Because now it's just like, well, now we're just messing with people's stats. Uh, you know. And look, Charles does have to make weight. I do feel like we did not get enough of the fighters on record saying, hey, I stepped on the same scale in the back. It said this. The scale outside said that. Because outside of, I believe, Charles and Norma, everyone else made weight. So, yeah. Anyway, give me your thoughts on how this is all played out with the belt. It's so weird. You know, look, when when someone misses weight in general, everyone starts, you know, turning their thumbs down and saying you're not a professional. You know, I made the cut the weight, blah, 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 blah. This is like the only one. And I can't even think of if there was one before where people were like, really? Like, there was all these problems with the scale. It wasn't his fault, you know. But I'm with you on, on your sort of a, a between a rock and a hard place if you're the UFC. But not really. Like, how hard would it have been for them to find out? Okay, let me see. I wonder when they were, when when exactly they found out that people were messing with the scale. Because when this story broke, there were already reports floating around there that um, there had been some kind of email sent out to the fighters that the scale had been recalibrated. So there was like some awareness that things had been tinkered with causing an issue with their scale. Um, so I think if I'm the UFC, I'm like, let's quickly brainstorm here before people weigh in. We have to have a backup plan in case someone make, misses weight. And and it's and it's for something like this, you know. So clearly, they didn't do it. They didn't have the time, or they didn't want to get into the weeds and create a bigger problem. I don't like it because, man, even I don't even understand the the rule that for a championship fight you have to be you don't get the one pound allowance. Like that doesn't really make any sense to me. It's pretty arbitrary, right? Do you know? I mean, I don't know if you know why they do that, but like. Doesn't that seem silly to still be doing that? You have to make 155, 170. You have to hit the pound, the weight on the mark. You know, uh, not that I don't agree. I mean, it's so tough, but uh, I go back to what every fighter says. You could cut those first 15 pounds like everybody else. It's that last, it's that home stretch that separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls, right? Um, yeah. To be fair. And so I do hear that. Um, I mean, we could probably talk all day. I, I definitely agree with you. And if you say right now, Charles should have his belt on, I'm inclined to agree with you. If you tell me, hey, the rules are the rules. If it were, I mean, look, if you cut the context out and just call it like it is, you know, uh, I get that argument too. When Charles Oliveira goes up to Megan O'Leary and they ask, what do you put, you know, what happened? And he says, I put it on the most sacred thing right now, the life of my daughter. And mm -hmm. I believe he names her and says, 
on Thursday night, I was on weight and I did not eat it and I went to sleep, didn't eat or drink anything and I came out and it was off. I'm going to just say it. And this is maybe speaking with my heart rather than getting the evidence like a good investigation. Mm-hmm. I just flat out believe the man. Me too. And, and, but look, he, once again, rules are the rules. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it, so once again, it's a no-win situation. Because it's like, okay, well, if you're just engaging, it's like, excuse me, you better prove to me that, that it's wrong then. I know. I know. But then if you're Charles, uh, you better prove it's wrong too. And it's like, uh, guys, we've got a show in 24 hours. Um, Islam Mahachev, mm-hmm. Habib 2.0, 10 fight win streak. I, and uh, I was on my show with, uh, you know, Mr. Alex Bahun and another cage side press guy on YouTube. And he brought it up. It's like Mahachev, he just needs that one more signature win. I would normally agree with you, but everything has just lined up for UFC and Mr. Ali Abdelaziz. <laughs> if I'm being, let's just say it like it is, you have Charles coming off a win, should be undisputed champion, but I'm gonna stop harping on that. Taking on Habib's protege, his teammate, arguably better, right? According to Mr. Javier Mendez, you know, just it's like I heard Kobe Bryant say this: different animal, same beast. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just that kind of storyline. It sells itself. Abu Dhabi already has a date in October. And then I hear Dana White saying he's still looking to do Mahachev Dariush. And I'm like, and I'm like, honestly, like, and Ali Abdelaziz. And look, sometimes I think he doesn't like that I bring it up. And I I get it. I should probably ask him, not maybe bring it up with his guys at Media Day. All respect to Dariush, and I don't know how Ali phrases this if he speaks with them, right? Full disclosure. Mahachev Oliveira's the fight. It, it's a win-win. It's a home run. I would argue it's an even bigger fight than Oliveira Gaethje. And as exciting as that was, you have so many intangibles with the storylines heading into a fight with Charles and Islam because of all of the Habib connections and everything else. The greatness and, you know, and look, I'm going to just say it. And I know you hold firm that Habib's staying out of it. If Charles goes out there, chokes Islam Mahachev out right in front of Habib, I could see him getting back in the gym. I said <laughs> it. told his mother that he wouldn't. Hey, isn't Islam Mahachev like family? His mom might be like, you better go out there and <laughs> defend get, the honor. You better get back in the gym, son. Yeah. <laughs> um. Should be Islam. I don't know who would be the best. There's nobody else in mind unless you're also going to back up Dariush too. But everything is just going in this direction. I don't have any more to add. No, I I think that is the fight to make. That's a home run. I like the way you put it. In Abu Dhabi, you have the, you know, you're, you're checking off a bunch of boxes. The Charles versus Khabib 2.0 with Khabib in the corner, right? We're in Abu Dhabi. You get, you're you're um, attracting a whole other swath of demographics. Marketing. I mean, Charles Oliveira is a killer. He's a badass. He's been proving it time and time again with the top fighters at this division. So it's there. Um, I don't see why you would want to make Mahachev Dariush. You know, Dana White might have just been, might have just been like, Screw you guys, I'm not going to, you know, he gets so mad every press conference, right? I'm not going to match make in the, fight of a, the night of a fight. He might have been just saying that just to piss everybody off. But <laughs> if I'm looking at this, I think Chandler should fight Dariush and Mahachev should fight uh, Oliveira. And then that's it. I love this strategy. Yeah. I really do. Abu Dhabi, both of them, and let's go. Well, Dariush probably doesn't want to wait that long, but we'll see. Also, I wouldn't mind Dariush RDA. That yeah. could be a good one. Um, I, I don't think they want to give uh, Dariush Fiziv. I feel like that's another one. Build them both up the line, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Dariush Chandler, Dariush RDA. I think that makes sense. And you get all the pieces to flow just right. Or hey, you know what? Where are we at with Poirier? Dariush Poirier. I think stylistically that's an interesting fight too. I mean, but yeah, I just... 
respectfully to Mahach, you know, to Dariush, the Mahachev fight, it's like the timelines are now actually in sync. And also, I don't know where Dariush is at with his recovery. It's like, oh, well, we would like the fight. And I'm like, did he not just have a serious injury? You know, I can't remember how much... I thought they said he needed to get surgery. So it's like, uh... Respectfully, I almost... I don't want him rushing, you know, to come back just because it's a big fight with Islam. Yeah. I'd rather Dariush gets better does and does his thing against somebody else. If it's meant to happen... He'll throw down with all of those guys soon enough. I believe that. But the timelines just are no longer matching up for all those three pieces to work toward that, in my opinion. Um, we could talk about the fight that maybe not a lot of people want to talk about. <laughs> uh, Carla Esparza and Rose Namajunas. Um, I mean, I, I want to just say as few words because we had as few punches. <laughs> Um, look, uh, quite simply, Rose, yeah, uh, okay, it respected the wrestling and all of this. It, what it came down to was I think that both of them got complacent. And no matter how you skin it, if you're Rose or Carla and you watch that fight back, you could see a bunch of things you could do to be way more decisive. And I, I will say uh, Carla rightfully got the decision with what we had to score. Mm-hmm. If I'm Rose Namajunas this morning or this afternoon, I've watched the fight. I'm telling myself I could have, I could have won that. You run it back right now, getting the DeLorean with Marty McFly. <laughs> it will. Yeah, I, I, I throw down. You know, he, she knocks out the backstage Rose Namajunas and takes her place. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, like the 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 change up. But you get yep, what yep. you get. What I'm saying. It it, it was just. Yes, it was frustrating. It wasn't fun. It wasn't exciting. It's not going to go down. It's going to go down in history as one of the more uneventful fights with all the marbles on the line. But the fact is, that was a very winnable fight for Rose. And I'm going to just leave it at this. I, I felt like she gave the fight away more than Carla Esparza. Because I felt like that wasn't on the skills. That was on the decision making. Mm-hmm. And yes, that doesn't... That shouldn't matter, but in my opinion, it's like, I just saw the better fighter not make the better decisions. Yeah. And I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, Double G, I made my two-year-old son stay up till 9.30 so I could watch this fight. And the poor guy had to sit there and... Natalie, that's the kind of thing that makes me want to call CPS. How dare you? (laughs) All week. Could you know, re- revoke your parenting license all for week, that. You know, he actually, he actually goes to it pretty late anyway. <laughs> um, all week, um, he's been watching the embeddeds with me and the countdown, and like, he's like, "Hey, it's Carla. Yeah, they're gonna fight." And then nothing happens. Here's what I think actually went down. Okay, this is my theory. I'm sticking to it. In the countdown, you see Rose Namajunas and Pat Barry rewatching that first fight seven, eight years ago, and at the end of it. Rose says, fighters like to say they don't quit, but that's the first time I ever quit. And she got tears in her eyes. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty brave of her to admit that, you know. At the end of the fight, with this just, you know, as uh, Joe Rogan said, dud of duds, and they call it a stinker. I mean, the the commentary was not holding back. They were brutal. They were brutal, dude. I was like, wow, you guys are not even trying to be political, diplomatic. Okay, at the end, they're against the cage, the buzzer, horns, the bell rings, whatever the heck the sound is, and Rose Namajunas steps away, and she goes, she pumps her arms in the air, and she goes, whoa, like this huge weight has been lifted from her. Then you go back and think about the coronary advice she got between rounds. Terrible coronary advice from Pat Berry. The booze mean we're doing the right thing. I don't even know what else he said. Trevor Whitman looked like, you know, the third wheel in a really awkward date. Like he wanted to tell the truth, but he felt like he couldn't. It was very strange. That dynamic that usually flows so well was clogged up with, I think, after having laid everything out for you, this like deep-seated psychological stain. I think that that first loss with all the hype that she was coming into the finale with about you're the next Ronda Rousey and all that stuff. I think it really 
made a deep impression on her. And she was terrified in this fight of letting any opportunity for Carlos Barza to get her down and hold her down happen. And so she just stayed away as far as she could and moved her head a lot. That was all pretty much what she was doing. Great head movement from like five feet away. And I think that she really thought if this person gets me down again and chokes me out, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so even though Carla took her down a couple of times and Rose shucked her easily, even though she had that data input, like, hey, this woman can't hold me down at all. She didn't, wasn't able to get out of that hole of fear that she was in about losing to Carla Esparza again in the same way. It's almost like she was transported back to being that same Rose Nama Yunus from the first fight. It was super bizarre. But I think that's what happened. There was a psychological block. And I think Pat Berry had the same problem. And and they were cooking up this game plan together. And it was sort of like, um, what do you call that when you're a, a com- confirmation bias or something? When you're like in a, in a room with people that agree with you. And so everyone thinks they're right because you're all thinking the same thing i know what but you're if, saying i feel like it's a slightly different word right i i, yeah. I know what you're talking about i, I can't it's slipping me too mm-hmm. um you know what okay so you want some tea yeah so they go to the post fight press conference like you guys see on youtube right yeah pat barry addresses the media oh. clearly in disbelief not on the camera mind you okay. you know off to the side before everyone gets rolling and he's asking a which rounds did you guys score for Carla Esparza? Oof. The media room stayed silent. Ooh. And just looked at him. And uh, what I'm told is that uh, he had a look of disbelief. But um, Eric Nixick addressed it with what we saw. And, and I will be honest. We need to... I know Fight Pass used to offer it. I don't know if they do anymore. I know they before had the corner cam. Like you could follow your, like when you could watch a fight and you know how they do the pay-per-view, they pick one corner and they follow them. Yeah. You can pick to get the feed because they record both corners. It's just only one is broadcast to TV. Right. On Fight Pass Online, you could pick the corner. I almost feel like you need to watch the Pat Barry, Trevor Whitman coaching all five rounds, four rounds. Because I think that is going to tell you something very significant. Because from what we do have available, I heard the same thing you did. It felt like Trevor Whitman was trying to implore more urgency, but they did not want to give conflicting advice. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, we, we kind of have this. Pat Barry spends more time with Rose. Not only is he in the gym, is he helping coach, is he helping prepare? He's with her at home. You know, it's very publicized. Everyone knows they're in a relationship. They're not just teammates. They're not coach fighter that, you know, they are, you know, locked in, you know, each other's person. But once again, I and look, Trevor Whitman, I don't think he's going to throw Pat under the bus. Um, Obviously, they're not going to, you know, you, you don't want what has been a successful partnership of the Rose and Whitman, and obviously Barry is always with Rose being her partner. You don't want to implode that. That being said, I felt like there was some kind of, there's clearly a lack of understanding there because yes, when you're Pat Barry and you're telling your fighter you're ahead and everyone unanimously agrees that she is not, that is a, that is slightly alarming. And look, um, like I said, Whitman would never say it, but only he knows for sure if it's like, Pat, we are not ahead. Stop trying to talk to Rose like that. Yeah. They're not going to say put it public. But I do think that is a very significant part because from what I saw, the way Rose was getting out of everything, the way Rose went and got the takedown in the last round. I know. This was a winnable fight for Rose Namajunas that it felt like she was willingly given away making executing i'm gonna just say it she was executing a bad game plan dude yeah but it's like it had to be it had to be a mental block because at what point at one point at what point do you not think like oh shit excuse my language oh shoot that was easy i just i just got out of her she took me down for a second i didn't even doesn't even count 
the first attempts didn't even count as a takedown. Carlos Barza was whiffing. She's, you know, she's smaller. She's shorter than I am. She's whiffing. She couldn't get in. Rosa Namajunas could have just head kicked her. I mean, she could have finished her in round one. It was a mental block that blew my mind. Did you watch? The, I mean, you're talking about the the, the prelude to the post fight press conference before Rose Namajunas comes out. Did you actually watch her? You watched all her interview. You know, her whole. Oh, I saw that she thought she had won, and I yeah, just. Man. I'll it say... was strange. The behavior was bizarre, dude. It, it was... Look at man. There was just a mental block. It happens to everybody. You know? It was very strange. I, I think, like you said, she's going to go back and look at it, and hopefully the sense will, you know, re-enter the brain. Because I don't think she won. And not, as you said, not because Carla necessarily, you know, beat her, but Rose Namajunas just didn't fight. Didn't try to win. Didn't try to fight like a champion. She even said during the press conference, like, you know, you guys are used to me getting in these wars. Like, why do I have to get my face beat up? It's like, whoa, okay. You didn't have to get your face beat up against Carla Sparza. She couldn't even touch your face. Anyway, back to you. Yeah. Um, uh, so you know how we have that rule? No matter how fast you get back up, if you face plant in the cage you can't expect the ref to give you the the benefit of the doubt that you're still awake Mm -hmm. if you are reversing positions you have to do something with them to steal the points back so i'm gonna use carlin rose but we've actually seen this uh, every now and then you have fights where it's like this guy gets taken down but he kept the other one keeps getting back up Mm -hmm. let's say Rose kept reversing and doing some damage. Then Rose gets the points. If Rose just keeps getting taken down only to get back up, those are still just takedown points for Carla. Rose doesn't steal them back no matter how fast she gets back up. If all she's doing is break away and making space. Mm -hmm. Because it's like you did not do anything with it. You just kind of like I hit you with a 10 and you got back up with a 9. You still get one point ahead. Because mm-hmm. you didn't do anything with it. I think that with Rose, I think that, that, that that's something you got to be aware of. You can't feel like you're ahead just because you're getting out of everything. You have to yeah. make her pay for all of them. And once again, like I said, she saw there were so many positions there. When she watches his back, she's going to be like, look, this was a winnable fight that I just didn't go out there and and win. Because I was I elected to do something else, not because... My skills weren't there to do it. So anyway, we could harp on that a lot, but we actually the future is actually very muddled now. Marina Rodriguez, five or six fights in a row. Not for nothing, Marina beat Mackenzie Dern. And then she came back and she took another fight, probably after locking in a title shot. You know Mackenzie would have gotten the title shot had she beaten Marina. Mm-hmm. Marina comes back, says, I'm staying active. I'm getting after it. Takes a step back, fights Yan Chonan. Um, controversial, but she still got the win. Marina should be next for Carla. But then you got this elephant of the room of Jongwei Lee Yoana 2 coming up in about a month. Who gets the title fight? The winner of Jongwei Lee and Yoana against Carla, who now is the undisputed champion? Or should it be Marina Rodriguez? And also. If you beat Carla, or, or uh, I guess put it this way, let's say because I heard Dana White say, "Yeah, Jungwei Lee Yoana probably is the front runner." I get it; they're more famous, right? Name value. Uh-huh. We've been through this. If you're Marina Rodriguez, let's say you were to fight and beat Rose Namajunas, who's the best strawweight in the world right now? It, it's just so I, I I can't even answer that question. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so weird because. Like Rose didn't just have a, a you know a lackluster performance. Like Valentina Shevchenko is is it right in her division? She's had some fights that aren't that exciting. Liz Carmouche. Uh, there was another one I can't remember what it was. Uh, Jennifer Mai. Yeah, where she's just like you know she's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run in there and beat you up. I'm gonna be careful, but she's still active, of course. And so because of that, even though she has some fights that are not that exciting. She's still badass. Everyone knows she is. She's always going to deliver. But for, in this fight, this the result of this fight with Rose Namajunas, it's like 
it was so terribly boring and strange and just bizarro that like you almost don't know now like all the things that rose has done to beat waylee twice to beat joanna twice to beat andrage or yeah once um it's like okay wait a minute is she like it's like i don't i still believe she's the best straw weight in the division but it, it does as you say open this conversation up that shouldn't be open because of this weird performance that she had now um you're talking about carla who should she fight next yeah marina probably because i'm thinking if i'm the ufc who's gonna tune in to watch carla Esparza defend her belt based on this performance last last night do you want to waste the capital that whaley and joanna have with like there's never going to be a, a you know a dull moment when they fight. Whoever wins that fight, do you want to waste that on a Carlos Barza fight? You know what? You know what sucks about that though. Rose not has not only first round knockouts; she also has five round decisions over both Whaley and Joanna. No, that's what's crazy. And it's like, and it's, my my point is, this is a no win situation. Mm-hmm. You have good fights. That you feel won't determine anything, cause I'm I'm gonna just leave it at that. We we have good fights that aren't gonna determine anything. Uh, they'll figure it out. They'll rebook they'll everything. For the record, I would like. I think they're gonna go Joanna way. Uh, I, I think that Marina's going to try to go for Rose if Dana White and them feel like, look, we're just going to go Jungwe Lee, Joanna, because at least that's fresh for the champ. Because, yeah. you know, it just feels like you, you just can't do those rematches right now for Rose. And if you're Rose, why would you fight Joanna or Wei Lee a third time no, right now? No, you, no you reason don't... to. And but I like this storyline because if, if, if I'm Joanna, I'm chomping at the bit because I'm like, okay. I came really close to beating uh, Wang Zha Li. Zhang Wei Li. Zhang Wei Li, thank you. If I beat her, I'm going to get my belt back because I'm just going to beat up Carlos Barza when I get that shot. Now, I'm not saying this because I don't think Carlos Barza has a chance. She's a totally different fighter. We have to take what happened last night out of the equation because Joanna Janjacek isn't going to just stand there. But if I'm Joanna, I'm like, oh man, I beat her once, I'm gonna beat her again. I'm about to get my belt back. So that's a storyline that I could see playing out, you know, at the end of this year, beginning of next year. Um, and it sucks for Carla because I'm a fan and I want to see her at least keep the belt for a little bit. But what a story for Joanna to take it from Carla twice. Man, you're just I'm evil. Just I'm that's, that, that's a little heartless. <laughs> Almost as heartless as Michael Chandler's front kick to Tony Ferguson. Oh. I, okay, so we've... I'm not going to lie. We're going long, so I'm going to turn it into a bit of quick hits. Um, M- Tony Ferguson, I love the sense of urgency. Tony's back, all that. Michael Chandler was always the favorite. I did not see that coming. That is a front-runner knockout of the year, too. I know Tony is coming off about a year layoff right now, if I'm not mistaken. He needs another one. I don't want to see him even consider anything i want to let let your head heal after a knockout like that michael chandler we already talked about it dariush poirier good fights out there for him just give him one of them and let's get it started yeah man michael chandler oh tony ferguson exactly came out looking so good in round one at the end of that round michael chandler was like oh shoot i better like hail mary this because it's not going my way and not going my way fast and then he did something that I don't think anyone's ever seen Michael Chandler do. Like, it's not in the fight. You know, if you study film on Michael Chandler, that's not something you're looking out for. And he pretty much admitted to it. He's like, oh, yeah, I never practiced that in the gym, hardly. And you always got to have something in there that, you know, when times get tough, you can just pull it out of your back pocket. Well, heck, yeah, they did. And he did. Uh, Tony Ferguson, that was scary, dude. I thought. Are we looking at a Manny Pacquiao or are we looking at, you know, fictitiously like Apollo Creed here because he was out cold and out hard for a long time. I'm glad he got up. He looked very lost at the end in the eyes. I agree with you. Even Dana White said, you know, another year for him. Uh, Michael Chandler cuts the best promos. You know, I'm not 
necessarily loving the Conor McGregor call out, but the way he set it up was was fun, and and uh, he's smart to do to to put the request out at 170. So he's in a good place right now. But yeah, going back to what's next, Michael Chandler, Benir, Benil Dariush. What about Poirier Gaethje? Can we see that again? They got uh, nothing else going on. <laughs> I'm not a. I just want some fresh. We've, I know, but uh, what for those two? For Poirier and Gaethje? I want it fresh. Well, you know, we didn't. We're not. We don't need rematches right now. Look what happens right, when you get a rematch, clearly. I know. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, good stuff. Uh, Brandon Royval, great finish on the prelims. Blagoj Ivanov, Randy Brown, Chaos Williams. That was actually a pretty fun one. Uh, kicking off the main card, I believe it was. Uh, good stuff. Uh, best wishes, Cowboy Cerrone. Food poisoning, morning of the fight. Very unfortunate. Um, was looking forward to see what he brings out after his media day, but it is what it is. I know. I'm sure they'll schedule him on a card, and it'll, you know, we'll, we'll get it started again. Um, the weekend was very loaded, so I'm gonna just fly right through them. Ryan Bader just wrestles Czech Congo for 25 minutes, retains the title, points at Lynn Vassell, former 205 pound champion. They rematch that one. It sounds good. Linton coming off a good win. Yo Romero, I believe. I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch the fight as I understand it. He was winning, gets the late finish, like buzzer beater, like 14 minutes, 59 seconds over Alex Polizzi, gets the win. Anything to add about Bellator? No, no. We yeah. can keep it rolling. Good stuff, right? PFL, mm-hmm. missing weight was a theme. So, mm-hmm. Ray Cooper misses weight by over five pounds. I think it's safe to say that led to his performance. He just did not look the same, like the same guy who was running through people last year loses a pretty decisive decision over Carlos Leal who full credit to him he had two appearances on their version of contender series essentially challenger series gets into the tournament and now is knocked off a two-time champion you know what it doesn't matter what was going on with Ray Cooper Ray Cooper showed up you get the dub great work for Carlos Jenna Fabian Beats Julia Budd. Remember, this is at 155, not 145. But she missed weight, so technically Julia gets the points and moves forward. More importantly, though, does this... I would have thought, okay, if you can't get Chris Cyborg, the, quote, big fight that you can make for Kayla is Kayla-Julia Budd. And I feel like that one literally just sank like the Titanic and uh, on the horizon. You get what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. It's like, wah, wah. Um, now what? Larissa Pacheco, though, she looked good. Oh, we've seen that fight many times with I, Kayla. I, but... I was, please don't do that. <laughs> That's like telling me Rose and Carla running it back in a couple hours. Oh, what's on TV tonight? Uh, she knocked out She knocked out her opponent. She TKO'd her. No, she, she looks great. I think it's just... Uh... I know, you don't want to see it again, and that's the problem. If you're Kayla Harrison, how do you feel about them calling you saying, hey, you're fighting Larissa Pacheco next week? I you're like, gosh. (laughs) I'll just fake an injury at this point. Mm -hmm. I don't care. You just give me the million dollars now and go home. No, just don't. Look, uh, it is what it is. Um, uh, Anthony Pettis, Rory McDonald, turn back the clock. Uh, Kayla Harrison dominates. Um, But yeah, just, do you know what? the scales man anything can tip them in the world of mixed martial arts well you know going back pettis mcdonald Roy mcdonald they look great it's oh man they, good to see them in form again it wasn't that refreshing it was like hey you know suddenly it's it gets exciting again when these guys yep. you recognize are doing good uh you know what um you, so you saw this the dana white uh the war room mm-hmm. with the board and while some of those fights are confirmed, you also realize some of them just... You kind of want to know just how much utter BS some of them were. And it, we've kind of seen this happen. We've heard of it. Uh, things that are targeted get incorrectly reported. And it feels like a bit of a, hey, you know, we're trying to make this fight happen. Let's get it going. And then it's like, ah, that, that, you know... 
so not every not all the paperwork ever gets finished and sometimes things go off the sides what did you think about this with the war room getting leaked quote unquote uh, not a whole lot look it's he's he does stuff from that room a lot and so maybe he just didn't care or just didn't think anything of it but what i keep coming back to is a whiteboard is a working list like it's it's live nothing on a whiteboard is ever final right when you want to make it final you write it down on a piece of paper you type it in your computer print it out so all that stuff that was up there i don't think it was set up i don't think it was playing tricks or you know trying to be trying to be a peer pressure uh no like you know like um not easter eggs but anyway i don't think it was anything silly or they weren't trying to do anything up their sleeve or anything like it breaking just, down the Spider-Man trailer to figure out Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, like that. You know, no, there's no freaking Da Vinci Code in there. It's like, <laughs> that's just the list they're working on. Probably some of it is pie in the sky. Probably some of it is, oh, we talked to this person and they might be interested. Oh, okay, let's write it down. It's just a whiteboard and that's it. Like straight up, the biggest one, Hamza versus Nate Diaz, that is nowhere to be seen on yesterday's announcement instead we get max holloway volkanovsky three yeah we're not gonna break all that down today but um i like it we're getting it Uh, the sooner they get it done the better in my opinion for alex and max three the big elephant in the room that also got out there john jones stipe miosic and the reason why this one got traction i'm gonna go ahead and group some of our stuff together uh the ufc announced quite the travel slate and so to run it real quick, Austin, Texas, you got Calvin Cater and Josh Emmett, two good feather, two bangers meeting each other at featherweight in the main event, June 18th. London, they're going back for a fight night, July 23rd, Curtis Blades against Tom Aspinall. Finally, France, I forgot to write down the date, but the plan is Cyril Gaon tied to Ivasa. So one, always nice to see the UFC traveling. Two... That takes almost all the featherweights, sorry, not all the featherweights, all the heavyweights off the board. So if Stipe is going to fight somebody, it can only be John Jones now. You know, Francis Ngannou is still, you know, out with sur- surgery. So this does, does this stoke the flames? Absolutely. Then I see John Jones going IG Live and saying, well, the plan is September, but the UFC is, quote, playing games. And I'm like, hmm. <sighs> Here we go again. I don't believe... I don't, say I don't believe anything he says, but he's just talking the talk and everything's with a wink of the eye. You know, if he wants to fight in September and that's how... And the only person left to fight in September is Stipe and that's the biggest fight anyway, it's going to happen. Like, look at the lineup that you just laid out. You're right. Nobody else is left. So... He's saying we're still targeting that date. Then, yeah, you're going to fight Stipe. Stop being silly. Get off Instagram. If I'm... Okay. It, let me, can I tell you my dream? Yeah. Dana White talks to Francis Ngannou and says, Francis, we need you to... We're on board. You versus Tyson Fury. We need it by, like, January, February. Because come July, we need you, Raider Stadium, John Jones, and we're just going to sign all of this paperwork straight up. No ifs, ands, or buts. We're not waiting around. We're not doing none of that. Sign this. Sign that. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Life is not that perfect. No. I wish it were. But this now leads to it. I think that this speaks to the confidence level of where they could be with Francis Ngannou. Because we've already said it. We're not going to rehash it. Francis is not leaving Tyson Fury money on the table. Nor should he. No. Um, So if you're John Jones, you are now... You have no idea, neither does the UFC, how long you could be waiting possibly for Ngannou. You know. So that this now leads to a situation... How much are you going to now just add to what has already been a long wait? As opposed to, hey, you know, you go out there, you beat Stipe. Suddenly, that fight with Ngannou is even bigger, if that were possible. And it, it just leads to a lot more heat and all that. But 
I mean, that that's where we're at. Um, I will say it's looking good. I can't tell you. It's kind of like when I saw Hamzad and Nate on that board. It's like, mm, sounds good, looks good. You feel like you have a lot of reasons why that should make sense. And then it's like, mm-mm, not, not quite. And that's how I feel. Okay. <laughs> Any, uh, do you have anything to add for the other heavyweight fights? Because those, those are all actually three great matchups, if I'm being honest. I'm pretty pumped about Cyril Lagan and Tai Tuvasa in France. That's going to be killer, dude. Uh, isn't it? That's going to be bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater. Like, that's just a good, you know. That's like, I can't wait. Part. I can't wait yeah. to see Doctor Strange, but it's like, ooh, I can't wait to see that. Just... <laughs> Like I did, just like I, it's like oh I can't wait for that to the new episode this week oh man it's just it's gonna be a good one <laughs> that's how I feel when I see that but um yeah it's so good stuff there <sighs> man the scales this week <laughs> have you weighed in <laughs> your scale might say something crazy this week no oh, let me tell you the scales in my mind right now <laughs> let me tell you some people are. N- you know, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes those weigh-in live streams, they could get a little... I got to really like who's fighting to check that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, even... I love watching the weigh-in show from the UFC. I like watching yeah. the games. I I really, you know, respectfully, I know they're sharing knowledge. I skip through a lot of the, uh, the analysis. Mm-hmm. But I like to watch the games. I tell you, it's going to be like, oh, so this is why they actually live stream everything. You don't know what's going to happen. Yep, yep. Oh, man. Let's talk about this Saturday's fight, yeah? Okay. Light heavy, for, sorry, former light heavyweight champion Jan Blahovich taking on Alexander Rakic. Uh, so Blahovich, you'll remember, I believe, uh, I believe it was Blahovich who had an injury, took him out of the fight in March where they were supposed to meet. This one now rescheduled. Blahovich had the win streak snapped, loses the belt against Glover Tashira. Alexander Rokic, he's on this sneaky good run, coming off the win over Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos. Um, you'll remember the fight with Anthony Smith, pretty decisive. The victory over Tiago Santos was um, the light heavyweight version of Rose and Carla. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. Uh, look, um, obviously, it is a very, very important fight for the light heavyweight division. I do think the winner of this one has a great case to be the next contender for the title. Especially, I believe they announced uh, Magomed Ankalaev against Anthony Smith. Uh, you know what? I'm going to just toss it to you from there. Thoughts? Thoughts. Polish power comes back, knocks the rocket out into space no knocks the rocket out of orbit which i think is something clever i thought you were gonna say knocks the rocket into orbit into orbit out out of orbit crashing down um yeah thoughts are this is a good fight okay we're gonna see more action in this fight than we saw in the co-main last night and probably see more action in most fights um than we saw last night in that co-main and uh in any fight my you know my uh, my mom versus the gardener. Like anything could be. Oh my god! <laughs> so you know, I, you know, I love my metaphors, but man, you could be a little <laughs> evil. <laughs> my mom's tough. My mom is tough. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, you have no idea. One time she fought with the Girl Scout lady. <laughs> you know. Um, Jan Alexander Rockage. Yeah, great fight. Like these guys strong, powerful, like to punch. I ain't going to go into the weeds here, but I think Jan Blachowicz is going to win. I think he's he's going to want to remind everybody what he can do. I'm thinking he's going to fight kind of the way he did with, um, oh, I can't remember his name, the gentleman who fought John Jones. And, Anthony Smith? No, no, no uh, Reyes, Reyes? Yes, Dominic Reyes, thank you. Wow, brain, brain, brain fart there. Okay. I think he's going to fight him like that, aggressive, He's going to, you know, use the striking and, and just kind of bloody up the face. So I know Rockage has has his skills under him, but this is a personal one. Blahovich has got to get back into that conversation as fast as possible. So that's where I'm going, Blahovich. Uh, TKO round four. 
So I, I want to make sure I give that man his... Uh, I, I, I get it. You come off a fight like he did against Santos. It, it's very clear the UFC just really... That, that's why I was very surprised with Dana's reaction. Because I felt like, you know... Usually we see people kind of get the uh, the silent treatment from UFC. When you, you know, have a... Let's be honest. The, the souffle doesn't pop. Mm-hmm. Well, to be put it nicely. I mean, Rockage. Jiri Prohashka hasn't fought in 12 months. There is no reason, and Jiri Prohashka only has two UFC fights. There is no reason why they shouldn't have had Jiri versus Rakic. But they did because it's like, well, you know, that Rakic was, that, that's how much value Rakic had for it. Now, going into this now, um, have you seen the legs on Rakic? Yeah, the whole body. That dude. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, he is a very solid. He is a solid built. Even for light heavyweight standards, like, dude, that dude's built like a house. But look, very powerful, very tough to take down. And I think that's going to be a big key. He gets all that that body moving, changing levels, wrestles Jan a little bit. This could be a long night. Now, to that credit, when Jan Blahovich is on... We know how dangerous he is when he starts letting the hands go and he could put it all together with his uh, full arsenal on the feet. I feel like Rockage is going to be patient, show a bit of the hands, take him down. Everything is about, you know, standing your ground and getting the fight to the mat for Rockage. And I think that he has the acumen. He's about nearly 10 years younger than Blahovich. All of that is in his favor. I think it's very easy, and I agree with you. When you talk about the formidable weapons, and also he's no slouch himself on Blahovich's side, that's where this gets more interesting. If he could, st- if he's able to utilize those weapons, can they break down this very tough boy in Rockage who only has two losses, and one was to uh, uh not um, Vulcan Uzdemir, and then the other one was in his professional debut. This guy has not been beat by many guys. He's a very tough guy. He deserves to be in this fight and get a step up. But once again, it's like, you you know who has the more dangerous weapon, I think, in the fight in Blahovich. So I think that Blahovich, it's a lot of footwork, a lot of movement. You just don't want to stay there for big rockets to just kind of launch through you like that one rocket from Toy Story right before it blew up. <laughs> You just don't want to be there for that. You just want to keep moving, set it up. I think the more movement there is, it's because it's better for Blahovich. And you know what? I'm going to one-up you for the third round finish. I think that Jan is just going to take time, but he's going to get it. Plain and simple. Okay. I like it. And there we have it. Natalie. It was a wild, wild weekend. <laughs> this is one of those, it's like, bro, weigh-in day was wild. Weigh-in day is supposed to be easy. I Look, know. everyone's on weight. Oh, yeah, we're good. Okay, you know, let's get some face-offs and let's go home. Nope. No, right? Oh, by the way, uh, just for, just because we have two minutes, um, Macy Chasson beats Norma Dumont at featherweight. Yeah. Norma Dumont misses weight. And you know what I thought? Hmm. After the Kayla Harrison thing, and this happens to the featherweight division, and I'm just like, I have no words anymore. <laughs> Do you? Uh, no, but I well, Macy Shazan looked looked pretty good. She I was did. Like, hey, she's she did. She's looking good. But I feel like she's she kind of made it clear I'm good at 35. I know. But it's like. Nobody I, wants that division. Just close it down. I think the commentators <sighs> and like Joe and, and Dan even talking about that. Am it's I like making that up? Like, I'd have to go back over through it, but it's like, what are we going to do with this? Psh, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, next week, Holly Holm, Ketlin Vieira. Um, what do you like about that one? Holly Holm, man, I just want to see her back. Like She's had a lot of setbacks recently, even though she's in, in probably the best shape she's ever been in. She's still you know committed to getting her way back to the to a title shot and like you know has anyone had more title shots than holly Holmes? so she'll get another one she's still a big name she still puts on a good show 
and Kaylin Vieira is no joke. She's got punching power. This is a good one. I'm excited. I think that thing that helps Holly the most, there's no... Everyone else hasn't been able to step up to the plate. Irena Aldana hasn't fought since uh, last July. Um, Jermaine Duranemi hasn't fought since she slept Pena. So it's like, honestly, that next contender to come out of the shadows, it's wide open. And it's there for Holly. Same thing for Ketlin. She was on the precipice recently. She goes out there, beats Holly home. She's right there again. And, you know, look, that this could change by the time their next fight rolls around after next week. But currently operating under the Juliana Pena Bantamweight division, either one of those is a live dog to win that fight, too. Yep. Plain and simple. So there's a lot to like about that fight. It's a very high stakes fight. I think it's very important for both women. Um, and yeah, uh, not uh, as a stylistic fight, it's going to be pretty good, too. We'll discuss that on next week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a long episode. We're back. If you made it this far, thank you for listening. Once again, follow us on social media. Like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back next week.